Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to the Green Party Radio Show. Coming to you live on the Green Party Radio Network. And now here is your host, Larry Ellis. Everything, Larry, you're a master. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, children of all ages. Don Ellis here with you this morning on the Green Party Radio Show. No Larry today. He's an assignment. Top secret. I can't tell you what's going on, but it's okay. You don't need but one Ellis. We're we're basically all about the same, you know, sexy, good looking, God's gift to women. And then uh it's the sarcasm portion of today's show. Just glad to be back live. Uh if you didn't know, um uh, run a couple of best of episodes the last couple of weeks. Uh, Larry and his wife and the youngest child, his daughter, Elizabeth, just bought a new house. Happy for them. They're still in the middle of doing all that crap. Uh, if you've ever bought a house, you know how much fun that can be. It's, it's like, you know, by the time you get done with all the crap paperwork you have to go through and all the BS, the actual moving of all the heavy stuff is almost a joy in comparison so, um, but he's in the house now. Happy for him. If you didn't know, I had hernia surgery a couple of weeks back. I tried to do one show. I struggled through, got our best of show done. But, you know, when you got 35, 40 staples right in the middle of your stomach, uh, I shouldn't say stomach, right in the middle of your belly, in the middle of your midsection, makes it kind of hard to sit up and do a show. So, uh, you know, it was either, you know, wait a couple of weeks, run some best of episodes, or, you know, eat a whole handful of Percocet, and you probably wouldn't have understood what I was saying anyway. I would have known what I meant, but it might not have been very pretty. So, uh, waited. The staples are gone. I'm back to as close to 100% as I can get for being an old man. And the Green Party Radio Show is back live twice a week, Sundays and Wednesdays, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central. Today's show, uh, we got uh, quite a few subjects that we're going to touch on. I want to start, of course, with uh, wonderful President Trump in his first couple of weeks in office. Of course, the first real stupid thing he did. Okay, well, that's okay. Let's rephrase that. He says so many real stupid things, we can't keep track of them all. But the major real stupid thing he did was, of course, the uh, travel ban. He tried to impose, you know, if um, you were a visa holder from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, the Sudan, Syria, and Yemen, uh, you weren't allowed to travel to this country. And, uh, well, you know, it doesn't affect most Americans, obviously, the majority of us. I mean, overwhelming majority aren't, you know, these oldest from one of those seven countries. It did affect quite a few people. It was obviously, you know, I mean, although it didn't technically say, Muslims can't come into the country. I mean, come on. Those seven countries are, you know, 95% or more Muslim. That's just a guess, okay? I don't have no, uh, don't call me and complain that I didn't get the number right. That's just a guess. They're overwhelmingly Muslim, okay? And, uh, I mean, so we, we all know what, what Trump's intent was there. Uh, so that brought up calling. 215-383-5796 is the number to call if you want to join the show live. Be here for another 
power. If you want to weigh in on anything we're going to talk about today, like I said, we're going to start with the Muslim ban. But uh, real quick, I want to touch on one or two things. Uh, I saw the uh, a couple of clips this morning of this interview with Bill O'Reilly. I guess and I, I I didn't even know this was true, but I heard this morning that it's become somewhat of a tradition, or maybe Trump is starting this tradition that. You know, on Super Bowl Sunday, go Patriots, by the way, which is, you know, it's become sort of a national holiday, even though it's on a Sunday. Apparently, uh, presidents give, like, a big interview or whatever on that day. I, I didn't know anything about this, but whatever. I guess he spoke with Bill O'Reilly last night. And the way I took it, the interview hasn't aired yet. I'm sure it'll air sometime today on Fox News. I didn't look because I don't really care. Um, you can find that out on your own real easily, I'm sure. But uh, I want to touch on one or two things he said to Bill O'Reilly. Uh, how, uh, you know, at the end of, not the end of the show, the, the last part of the show, after we touch on everything else, it's kind of important, but I'm going to touch on it last because it's going to go on for a while. Uh, we're going to take a look at President Trump's cabinet nominees. Um, many of them are just an outright joke. Some of them are just a little funny. I think one or two may actually be qualified, but uh, we're going to take a look at all of them. So we're going to do that second part of the show so we have time. You know, if we have to go over a little bit, we can. I want to touch on everything else first. Um, I got a a release. Uh, Scott McClarty, who does an awesome job as the media coordinator for the Green Party U.S., sent this to me uh, yesterday. Uh, pretty much detail. I have the Green Party is becoming the only party of resistance for Trump. How you know so many Democrats are are just you know lining up with things he wants to do. Now, not a lot of them, but you know they did give him quite a few good examples. I want to touch on that a little bit. A judge in D.C. There's a big shock for you. Ruled that uh, the presidential debates were unfair to third parties. Yeah, imagine that, huh? Uh, I want to touch on that a little bit real quick. I want to let you know one thing I did read uh, in the story was that said that this is just an estimate, and I'll touch on it later when we're going over this. But said it would take approximately two hundred and sixty-six million dollars for a presidential candidate to reach fifteen percent in the polls. So that just shows you how how ridiculous the 15% threshold is. And maybe they're going to look at it and maybe it'll be different for 2020. A uh, judge did rule that it was ridiculous at least. So, I mean, that's a start. Um, in Georgia, the Green Party celebrating an appeals court victory down there. It's kind of a small victory. Uh has to do with ballot access, of course. Um, we all know that um, Dr. Stein and Mr. Baraka were not on the ballot in Georgia, even though they collected enough signatures, like half of them, they, the state or the counties throughout. You know, they had to run as write-in candidates. Small victory down there, but a victory nonetheless. I'll touch on that. And uh, then, like I said, of course, at the end of the show, uh, I want to take a look at all these uh, – cabinet nominees that Trump is just, I guess, I guess he took out a dartboard with some pictures, I don't know, to check out some of these people, but, I mean, come on, Ben Carson, the Housing and Urban Development, 
He knows nothing about it. Apparently, his only qualification is that he grew up in the projects in public housing, so that's a qualification. I don't know. That's that's about the only one he seems to have. But I want to start again with the travel ban. Of course, uh, if you hadn't heard, it was overturned uh, on Friday, I believe it was, maybe late Thursday. Uh, a federal judge in Seattle issued a temp- nationwide restraining order on Friday. I'm sorry, it was Friday. <laughs> Stopping President Trump's executive order banning citizens of seven countries from entering the United States. Now, the judge in question was Judge James Robart, who, oddly enough, you may think, was appointed by a Republican, uh, George W. Bush, in 2003. Uh, He ruled that the executive order would have to be stopped nationwide, effective immediately. Uh, Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson had a little statement that the Constitution prevailed today. No one is above the law, not even the president. It's our president's duty to honor this ruling, and I'll make sure he does. Now, it was the uh, the states of Washington and Minnesota made this request. Uh, again, the uh, state of Washington's Attorney General Ferguson is a Democrat, filed the lawsuit three days after Trump signed the order. Uh, his lawsuit argued that the travel ban targets Muslims, which as we touched on earlier, it obviously does and that it violates constitutional rights of immigrants and their families, which, again, it obviously does. The White House, of course, issued a statement, said, and I quote, At the earliest possible time, the Department of Justice intends to file an emergency stay of this order, via court order, and defend the executive order of the president, which we believe is lawful and appropriate. Now, apparently... The White House initially labeled the judge's action an outrageous order. Within 10 minutes, they uh, reworded the statement, sent out a second one, took out that that, that little uh, adjective, as the story describes it, a little bit of uh, puffing, as Judge Judy might call it. Says uh, the president's order is intended to protect the homeland, and he has the constitutional authority and responsibility to protect the American people, he concluded. Unless you're Muslim, of course, then say, screw you, right? I mean, uh, we all know that, you know, this is just the beginning, probably, of uh, Trump trying to do what he can to discriminate against Muslims. Parma said he was working with the Department of Homeland Security to determine how the rulings affects operations. That's according to CNN. Now, uh, in an interview Friday evening, Washington Attorney General Ferguson said that he expected win, lose, or draw, that the case would move fairly quickly through up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, just because of the magnitude of the executive order. He added that he's prepared for the case to go all the way to the Supreme Court, whichever way the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals goes. Uh, let me interject real quick. The... Uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is a federal court. That's where the uh, next appeal on this will be heard. Surely the Trump administration is headed there. They probably you know got out their crayon and, and, and construction paper drawing up their briefs right now. Uh, you know, 
like we said, like the Attorney General said, and I agree, this is probably almost almost certain to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, of course a Democrat, a little statement from him, this really is a victory for the Constitution and for all of us who believe this un-American executive order will not make us safer. President Trump should heed this ruling and he ought to back off and repeal the executive order once and for all. Yeah, Chuck. Yeah, sure, he's going to do that. He's going to say, oh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, um, okay, never mind. I changed my mind. Come on. What an idiot are you? Wait, you're a Democrat. What do we expect? Now, if you didn't know... I'm sorry. Lost my microphone there for a second. The exact, uh, I don't know, the exact intent of the order, the exact wording. His action banned people from the seven mentioned countries. I'll name them again Iraq, Iran, Syria, Yemen, Libya, the Sudan, and Somalia from entering the U.S. for 90 days and also temporarily halted the U.S.'s refugee resettlement program for 120 days while indefinitely suspending resettlement for Syrian refugees. And, uh, you know, the order was issued last Friday, so it was in effect for a week before a court overturned it. Customs and Border Patrol, I'm sorry, Customs and Border Protection, they're back to business as usual right away as soon as the judge's order overturned the ban. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, uh, I like this statement. I'm reading this from The Hill, by the way, thehill.com. Critics say the order amounts to a de facto ban on Muslims entering the country. No shit. Come on. You didn't ban anyone from Canada coming, you know. You didn't ban anyone from Australia or England. I mean, obviously, it was a ban on Muslims. Gee, way to state the obvious there. Uh, I was reading from this story. It's obviously written for fourth graders, if you have to state that. Anyway, uh, another story on Reuters says, uh, of course, President Trump said the Justice Department will win an appeal filed late Saturday. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, apparently, they already got the crayons and construction paper and filed the appeal. That was mighty quick of them. Of course, they probably, you know, like I said, they, they grabbed the, the appropriate colored crayon and wrote, no, oh, we're right, and turned it in. But uh, he said uh, they'll win the appeal. And uh, to quote our wonderful president, we'll win for the safety of the country. We'll win. Well, I mean, hey, there you go. (laughs) Uh, He also, uh, of course, as Trump is prone to do, levied a little bit of a personal attack on the judge in Seattle. Uh, Of course, on Twitter, as uh, he usually does. The opinion of this so-called judge which essentially takes law enforcement away from our country, is ridiculous and will be overturned. Of course, that's kind of, kind of, actually kind of uh, accurate language to use coming from a so-called president. But that's another story. He, he stayed on Twitter, of course, Trump did. Throughout the day, late Saturday, he tweeted out, the judge opens up our country to potential terrorists and others that do not have our best interests at heart. 
bad people are very happy. Well, see, that's not true. He's not very happy. He's obviously a bad person. He's not happy. I don't, I don't get it. I don't. Anyway, like I said, uh, this uh, will now. I'm sorry. Uh, wait, let me let me read up there again. So the oh, the Justice Department filed a notice that it intended to appeal the order. Okay, my bad. I thought I misread something there. Uh, they did not say for sure when they would file the appeal with the Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. This is a three-judge panel, the Ninth Circuit. Um, two Democrat appointees on there. One appointed by Jimmy Carter, which tells you judges really do have jobs for life. He's been out of office for 37 years now, 36. One appointed by Barack Obama, and one appointed by W. So it should be interesting you know, to see uh, if judges follow what you would, I guess, call party lines. Uh, obviously, this last judge in Washington just showed that's not always the case because he was appointed by a Republican and he overturned Bush. I'm sorry. He was appointed by Bush, overturned Trump's executive order. So you never know. Uh, going to be interesting. No matter what, uh, I don't see any way this doesn't go to the United States Supreme Court. Either way, uh, the Ninth Court of Appeals, whether they uphold the ban or uphold the ban on the ban, the ban ban, either way, either side's going to appeal and it's going to wind up in the Supreme Court. So we'll see what happens with that. A couple of... uh, Comments from Democrats here, just for the hell of it. Uh, U.S. Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont said that Trump's, quote, hostility toward the rule of law is not just embarrassing, it is dangerous. He seems intent on precipitating a constitutional crisis. Well, uh, Representative Adam Schiff, the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, says, read the so-called Constitution so-called being in quotes. That's a little funny, I guess, but not really. I mean, you know, it's kind of a sticky situation. Presidents, as Obama proved more than any president ever, do have the right to uh, sign into, you know, quote-unquote law, executive orders. So it's not like it was unconstitutional for Trump to, to make the ban in the first place. Now, whether or not it upholds the uh, court system is a different story. But, I mean, I guess, you know, in the big picture, he did have a right to sign this executive order. Uh, now it's up to the courts to do the right thing and strike it down because it's it's it's, it's rather ridiculous. But, uh, you know, no more ridiculous than anything else the country has done past. Uh, it's a nice little segue into... Uh, the next little subject I wanted to uh, touch on, just real quick, uh, again, because it hasn't aired. I'm not going to watch it anyway. I'm assuming it'll be today, Fox News. Fox, somebody will uh, air Bill O'Reilly's interview with the president. Uh, they released just a few clips last night that I they were on CNN. I had CNN in the background this morning. Oh, but I was getting ready for the show, and uh, they were talking about are talking about O'Reilly asked him something about President Putin 
really listening, you know. So I'm not sure exactly what he asked him, but, um, you know, I did look up and read across the bottom of the screen, and or I said something about Putin, you know, some of the bad things he's done, I guess, you know. And uh, Trump's reply was, yeah, he's done bad things. You think our country's so innocent? Which, you know, these liberals on CNN got all up in arms about, which, but come on, it's true. I mean, you know, they they didn't have a problem with Obama going out on the apology tour, you know, pointing out, hey, you know, slavery, civil rights movement, you know, um, what we did to the Japanese Americans during World War II, all this stuff. Yeah, America as a country, the United States has done so many bad things in its past. You know, who are we, anyone, to call the kettle black? You know, we're definitely the pot if you're talking about doing bad things. I, we set the world standard in a lot of ways, you know. So what the hell? But, uh, like I said, after I saw this, I did turn up the volume just for a second, and uh, <laughs> it was funny, because I wanted to hear the uh, talking idiots on CNN, what they had to say. You know, and um, whoever it was, I wouldn't give his name if I knew it, because he didn't deserve the publicity. Um, he, he says, uh, yeah, um, you know, they look at Russia. They just uh, invaded or took land from Crimea. And, uh, you know, they're taking land from other countries. And, you know, apparently this freaking moron has not been paying any attention to what's going on at Standing Rock. You know, it's okay for the United States to take land from a sovereign nation, which Native American reservations are sovereign nations. We take land from them all the time for private interest a lot of time to give them to gold miners. You know, coal miners, big business. That's no big deal, though, right there, Mr. CNN, liberal Democrat idiot. I mean, come on. Yeah, Putin's no angel. But don't start acting like, you know, the United States is a bastion of of loveliness. You know, we've done plenty of bad in you to do plenty of bad things. So I kind of thought that was funny. You know, I, I, you know as big an idiot as Trump is, yeah, I, I give him credit for, you know, saying that you think our country's so innocent. Hell no. I mean, you know, ask, ask, ask all the black men that got pulled over last night for doing nothing in this country. I mean, it was a Saturday night. How I many thousands and thousands of black people, mostly young men, I said black men, but I'm sure there were black women too, got pulled over in their car, got harassed by the police, not doing a damn thing, except, you know, the old DWB. Driving wild black, yeah, you know, don't 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 start, you know, ripping on other countries unless you want to fix things here, which Democrats don't care to do, Republicans sure don't care to do. So just stop it already, okay? Brings me, uh, I've been pretty good with the accidental segues this morning. Uh, <laughs> pretty proud of myself, and I'm not going on live for a month. I want to touch on. The release I got uh, from GP.org, from the National Green Party, uh, said to me again, Scott McClarty, the uh, media coordinator for the Green Party U.S., does an incredible job. So I'm going to throw in some props out there. Um, the, uh, the headline title, I guess, uh, 
is uh, Democrats abdicating their role as the quote-unquote resistance to Trump. Subtitle Greens urge Congress to reject Scott Pruitt's nominee for EPA chief, which can all touch on Trump's nominees a little later on in the show. Greens are emerging as the real opposition party. Washington, D.C. Green Party leaders said today the Democrats in Congress are retreating from their claim to be an opposition party during Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, Statement from Laura Wells, 2010 Green Party candidate for governor of California. Quote, we're seeing this over and over. Just enough Democrats are voting for Trump's appointees to enable their confirmation. In some cases, dangerous and unqualified appointees are getting confirmed with little or no Democratic objection. That's not what an opposition party does. Democratic indulgence for Trump, more than anything else, proves that we desperately need more than two parties in Congress. The Green Party is emerging as the real resistance to the Trump agenda in the sphere of electoral politics. Just a little facts for you. Four Democrats voted to confirm Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who intends to expand the extraction, burning, and consumption of more fossil fuels at least until 2040. Of course, no Republican voted against him. That's not news. Mr. Tillerson, as you may or may not know, is the former CEO of ExxonMobil, which, of course, has a long history of attacks against the environment, the rights of workers and indigenous populations around the world, and climate scientists, including suppression of evidence from Exxon's own researchers who warned the company about global warming. Uh, among Democrats who voted to confirm Ben Carson, who I you know, touched on a little bit earlier, who has no qualifications to head the Department of Housing and Urban Development outside of, and this wasn't in the story, but uh, does have the qualification of having grown up a poor black man. To quote from the jerk people, don't don't think it's racist. I was born a poor black child, Steve Martin, the jerk. Uh, he did grow up in public housing, so I guess, you know, he has that going for him. But, uh, yeah, other than that, he has zero qualifications. And, of course, progressive leader Elizabeth Warren voted to confirm him quote-unquote resistance leader, Senator Chuck Schumer, who I mentioned earlier as well, has already voted to approve several of President Trump's nominees. Green's also called on Democrats and Republicans, which of course isn't going to happen, Republicans, in Congress to reject Scott Pruitt, President Trump's nominee to head the EPA, citing his dangerous skepticism regarding the growing climate crisis. Of course, Mr. Trump has already promised to withdraw the U.S. from the Paris Accords and from efforts to keep the global temperatures average rise to well below 2 degrees Celsius. Um, if you want to read, there's a little bit more. If you want to read the entire release, uh, GreenPartyRadio.com, you can go there and check it out again. Uh, right now, it's the top page on the store, the top story on the page. So much for a uh, nice transition after a month off. Uh, Green Party, Democrats abdicating their role as the resistance to Trump. 
go check that out if you want. It's a really good story. It's got three or four more good links in it. Uh, yeah, the Democrats aren't going to do anything different. Like what the Democrats did, you know, when they were in charge, was uh, get rid of the uh, filibuster option for cabinet nominees. Yeah, it's gone basically. The uh, the uh, Republicans, and I'll touch on this a little bit later though. Uh, they can force through any of their nominees basically. Even if a couple of Republicans don't approve a nominee because they control 52 to 48, if it's 50-50, it's the job of the vice president to break the tie. Of course, he's going to back up his boy Trump on any nominee that you know winds up with a couple. I mean, bad enough. I mean, you know, we're talking bad, yeah, bad enough that a couple of Republicans even aren't going to vote to approve them. That's how bad it is. Uh, before we get there, though, to the uh, cabinet nominees, how just inept and unqualified they are, saw this story, and it's, uh, I, I don't know why it hasn't received more publicity. Judge rules presidential debates were unfair to third parties. Uh, the story was published on Friday. A judge in Washington, D.C., has ordered the Federal Election Commission to review a complaint by the Greens and Libertarians that the 15% threshold on third-party candidates to participate in presidential debates was arbitrary and capricious. We all know how bad that is if you're a Seinfeld fan. And uh, if you're not, what the hell's wrong with you? I would suggest you buy the uh, box set once the entire series gets to know it. Uh, if you remember when uh, Kramer had the intern, Darren, helping him with Kramerica Industries, and uh, the, uh, the, the the woman who runs the intern program uh, said that Kramerica Industries wasn't really a company and that uh, she could no longer sponsor Darren's internship. That was Kramer's uh, response. Uh, I think this is capricious and arbitrary. Well, that's how bad this was, yeah. Arbitrary and capricious. In her summary judgment, Federal District Judge Tanya S. Chutkin, or Chutkin, whichever she prefers, she ruled on Wednesday that the FEC had to reconsider the legitimate complaints filed by the two political parties about the Polling Criteria Commission on Presidential Debates, CPD, to keep everyone but Democrats and Republicans excluded. Now, the lawsuit, which was known, uh, the name of it was Leveling the Playing Field versus FEC, case number 15-CV-1397, if you're interested. Uh, the suit was filed in August of 2015. In November 2015, the FEC announced it would not change its rules in response to the petition because its regulation is, quote, designed to provide debate sponsors with discretion in a framework of objective and neutral debate criteria, and because the commission can evaluate the objectivity and neutrality of a debate's sponsor's selection criteria through the enforcement process, unquote. The FEC insisted that polling thresholds established by the CPD, 
quote, can be objective and otherwise lawful selection criteria for candidate debates, unquote. Uh, now, the uh, judge, Judge Chutkin, or Chutkin, or Chaka Khan, I don't care. Anyway, she was convinced of the merit of that argument, pointing to the evidence submitted by the plaintiffs, as I uh, mentioned earlier today, to achieve the necessary name recognition and poll support, an independent candidate, quote, should reasonably expect to spend, unquote, approximately $266 million on the campaign before the debates, according to Dr. Clifford Young. Now, to quote the judge again, uh, this is from her opinion accompanying the ruling, this begs the question, if under these facts the FEC does not consider the 15% polling criterion to be subjective, what would be? Unfortunately, the FEC articulated no analysis, and the court cannot discern the FEC's reasoning. It also added that the, the commission, quote, appears to have stuck its head in the sand and ignored the evidence that its lack of rulemaking and lack of enforcement may be undermining the stated purpose of its regulations. This is not the reasoned decision-making that is required of all agencies. Now, as you probably all know, since 1988, the debates have included only one candidate not affiliated with Democrats or Republicans. Of course, that was 1992 when Ross Perot was in the debates. And oddly enough, according to this story, and God, that was 25 years ago almost now. I mean, I remember it pretty well, but I didn't realize, however, that both parties requested that Perot be in Included in the debate. Curious as to why, I know a lot of our listeners, you know, are way too young to remember 1992 or weren't born in 1992. It's because he was beating them in the polls, you know. If you remember correctly, that was a uh, Slick Willie running as the challenger, and the original Bush H.W. Uh, as an incumbent who had, you know, in 88 promised, you know, read my lips, no news taxes, right before he raised taxes. And in the polls, heading up to debates, Ross Perot was leading. It was like 37 to 30 to 26, something like that. I didn't look it up exactly. If you really care, you can find out. But yeah, Perot had a pretty... Decent lead on both of them. That's the only reason I asked him to join the debates. You know, they figured, oh, if we get him in the debates, this funny little guy, we get rid of him. Well, it didn't work. You know, he, he won. He didn't win the debates. He didn't lose anything in the debates. And he was still leading, which is, you know, I don't want to get into the whole story. We've touched on it before. But, uh, you know, he dropped out of the race shortly thereafter, saying he was threatened by the Republicans. They were going to disrupt his daughter's wedding, blah, blah, blah. Well, no dirty politics is probably true. I mean, why else would an egomaniac drop out of the race when he's leading in July? But, uh, whatever. That's the only time since 19, or, you know, sorry, the only time since, uh, they made these rules, which was in 1988, anyone has been in the debates that wasn't a Democrat or a Republican. Now, libertarians have welcomed the judge's decision. Neither the Green Party nor the FEC have commented on the verdict yet. I'd like to hear 
comment from the Green Party. If anyone from the party higher ups, let's call y'all, are listening, 215-383-5796. I mean, this is kind of a big freaking deal. And now this story was written Friday. You know, maybe somebody has said something since then. But, uh, you know, I went to uh, check the Green Party U.S. website. I checked. They have an issue of press release mentioning this verdict. So, um, yeah, well, you know, what are you waiting for? I mean, I, I realize you guys are a little uh, slow a lot of times, behind the times. How about it? What do you think? I mean, this was, you know, something all Greens and many others fought for all summer. Judge rules on our favor, nothing. You know, I hear, you know, chirp, chirp. What the hell? Come on, Green Party. Let's have a statement at least. I mean, hell, the freaking Libertarians don't do anything with a statement. Libertarian National Committee Chair Nicholas Sarwark, quote, We hope that this ruling will get the FEC to start following and enforcing the law fairly. For decades, the FEC has been complicit by willfully ignoring the evidence that the CPD, again, the Council on Presidential Debates, is running an illegal bipartisan campaign commercial. Well, duh. You know, that's all they're doing. Why haven't the Greens come out and said something like this? That's what I want to know. All you Greens that are listening, contact your state Green Party. Contact the National Green Party, local Green Party. Ask them, what are they waiting for? Let's have a statement on this. Uh, yay us, if nothing else. Come on. Anyway, the FEC has 60 days to reconsider the plaintiff's petition for rulemaking and issue a new decision consistent with Judge Chutkin's order. Now, uh, this was on RT.com. It has the um, ruling here, the memorandum opinion. Uh, If you want to actually read, you know, if you're into reading legal briefs and stuff, Go to RT.com. Debates, the um, tag at the end is Debates Unfair Libertarians Greens. So if you just Google RT.com, Debates Unfair Libertarians Greens, it will pop up for you, no problem. Since the Green Party, from everything I've seen, hasn't done anything yet. And hey, if you have, if you're listening, again, give me a call, 215-383-5796. Let me know. Hey. If, if the Green Party has said something about this, I know the several, you know, higher ups in the Green Party listen to the show. Let me know. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rip on my own party for something that's not true. But if it's true, I'm going to rip away. We all know that. Okay. One more little thing, a little small victory for the Green Party in Georgia. The United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit affirmed last year's ruling by the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia. The, the ruling struck down as unconstitutional Georgia's ballot access regime for presidential elections. That doesn't really you know, tell them what they have to do to, uh, to uh, change things, but... Uh, you know, the Georgia Green Party did file a lawsuit along with the Constitution Party of Georgia. They filed a suit against uh, Secretary of State of Georgia, Brian Kemp, saying that uh, the 
ballot access rules were were just crazy. Um, if you remember last year, um, the Green Party submitted 11,000 signatures for uh, Dr. Stein to get on the ballot. Almost half of them, 5,075 of them were deemed invalid. And uh, it's just, I I don't really want to touch on this long. Uh, Maybe I'll I'll post the press release. Uh, It's from Thursday, I believe, yeah, on GreenPartyRadio.com. Because it doesn't really do a lot. But uh, this, this law was put into effect basically to keep black people from running candidates, okay? I'm going to read, I'll read you this, this paragraph, and I'll move on to Trump's wonderful nominees for cabinet positions. Lawson McDonald, the director emeritus of the ACLU's Voting Rights Project, who represented the plaintiffs in the case, called the court order, quote, a great decision, unquote, pointing out that the state failed to put up any, quote, evidence whatsoever as to voter confusion or ballot overcrowding. The justifications they asserted in defense of the 1943 statutes. This all started, and again, I'm reading from the story here, 73 years ago, black Georgians were denied access to the all-white Democratic Party. The ballot access law was originally drawn to ensure they could not run as a nominee of any other party on the general election ballot. Okay, so that's, and that's why it's so hard to get on the ballot in Georgia. The uh, one more thing I wanted I wanted to touch on here five percent okay that's the petitioning barrier for non statewide office you have to get petitions signed by five percent of the registered voters okay for non statewide office according to this story states have the most restrictive such rules in the entire world okay. Basically, they don't want anyone but Democrats or Republicans on the ballot. They claim it's to stop voter confusion. You know, like people can't go in and read a ballot. It's freaking ridiculous. Anyway, a small victory for the Green Party. Again, um, it's not really a whole lot. It'll help in the state of Georgia. May help us, you know, by 2020, get our presidential candidate on the ballot there instead of having to be a write-in. Maybe, like I said, I'll post it on GreenPartyRadio.com. It's not a great big deal. But I did want to bring it up, uh, you know, for the Georgia Greens, because, I mean, they deserve the props. They did a lot of fighting for this, and uh, we're all proud of you, okay? It's just it's not a big deal yet. Let's hope it becomes a big deal. 215-383-5796 if you're listening live. If not, you know, we're on all the major podcast networks now, iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, Pocket Cast. If you ever miss a live episode, you can always catch us there. Just search Green Party Radio. You'll find all our shows, Green Party Radio Show, of course, Sunday and Wednesdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, Real Talk with Chad Cushman, Monday and Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, and then just say in with Mandy Kinney, Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern, all here on the Green Party Radio Network. I've got about 15 minutes to cover the Donald Trump cabinet tracker. That's the uh, title of the article here in the Atlantic. 
I don't care to read the article. Just wanted to uh, touch on his nominees real quick. What's going on? Nominee for Department of State, head of the State Department, is Rex Tillerson. Uh, you know, his government experience, none, which, you know, is it, is not really a bad thing. You know, just because you have no government experience doesn't know doesn't mean you don't know how to go to Washington or your state capital or your local, you know, city council and do the right thing. I don't have a problem with that. But, uh, He's a big oil executive. He's been the CEO of ExxonMobil for the last decade, as I mentioned earlier. Um, liabilities to getting uh, confirmed by the Senate. Apparently, uh, Mr. Tillerson, he's uh, friends with President Vladimir Putin of Russia. In 2012, Putin awarded him the Order of Friendship. That's a high honor in the Kremlin, but one that will not sit well with Russia hawks in Congress. And status of domination, of course, confirmed on a vote of 56 to 43 on February 1st, which means, obviously, he only got 52 Republican votes. Obviously, at least four Democrats voted to uh, confirm this guy as well. Department of the Treasury, Stephen Munchen. Is he a Munchkin? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> of course, no government experience. He's a banker, former senior executive at Goldman Sachs. Obviously, his liabilities are Goldman Sachs. <laughs> Foreclosures. Uh, just uh, to read from the story. Economic populists will see Munchen's nomination by a candidate who ran against Wall Street and the quote-unquote rigged system as the ultimate betrayal. Trump criticized Hillary Clinton for the speeches she gave to Goldman Sachs. How can he turn around and pick a man who got rich there to be a Treasury Secretary? <laughs> well, overall, Trump hailed him for his business savvy in making a boatload off IndyMac at the depth of the Great Recession. Democrats will savage him for the foreclosures that resulted, and, of course, highlight stories like that of an 89-year-old widow who blamed hounding by the bank for her husband's death. It's more Democrat propaganda, but uh, apparently he has a decent chance of being confirmed, still awaiting a floor vote. He was, however, approved by the Senate Finance Committee on February 1st. General James Mattis is uh, Trump's nominee for the Department of Defense. And apparently, Democrats loved him. I mean, he was confirmed by a vote of 98 to 1 on January 20th. Uh, Mattis, a four-star Marine Corps general, he led the U.S. Central Command from 2010 to 2013, commanded forces in both the Afghanistan and Iraq wars after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. So apparently, he and the Atlantic didn't have anything so bad to say about this guy. Yeah, there was nothing in liabilities, and obviously the Democrats loved him too. Again, he was confirmed 98 to 1 for uh, the head of the Department of Justice, Janitor, uh, Janitor, Senator Jeff Sessions. He's uh, been a senator from Alabama for 20 years. <laughs> Oddly enough, he might have had a lifetime appointment to the federal bench 
And the Senate now rejected his nomination in 1987 over allegations that he made racist comments and praised the KKK while criticizing the NAACP and the ACLU. So, um, you know, under why Trump likes him, well, I think we just touched on that. <laughs> Apparently, um, his 1986 hearing before the Senate, witnesses testified. The Sessions referred to a black attorney as boy, described the Voting Rights Act as intrusive, attacked the NAACP and ACLU as un-American for, quote-unquote, forcing civil rights down the throats of people. He joked that he thought the KKK was okay until he found out they smoked marijuana. And he referred to a white attorney who took on voting rights cases as a traitor to his race. (laughs) Oddly enough, though, his chances of Senate confirmation, according to this, most of all, most of not all Democrats will oppose Sessions. I mean, it says here, based on his record of civil rights and immigration. After what I just read, do we even need to know why anyone would oppose him? But yet, he's awaiting a floor vote. He was approved by the Senate Judiciary Committee on February 1st. President Trump, people, you got to love it. Uh, retired General John Kelly is the nominee for the Department of Homeland Security. He was confirmed by a vote of 88 to 11. Department of Health Human Services, Representative Tom Price, six-term congressman, chairman of the House Budget Committee, still awaiting a floor vote. Apparently, his liability is Medicare. The biggest obstacle to Price's confirmation is not his fervent opposition to Obamacare, but his support for Senator Paul Ryan's longstanding desire to convert Medicare into a voucher program. Democrats do their best to make his confirmation hearing a referendum on this plan, particularly since Ryan said he wants to try to pass it at some point during Trump's first term. Now, again, they give him a decent chance of confirmation. You know, again, as I touched on earlier, you know, Democrats got rid of the 60-40 confirmation rules back when they were in charge. So um, it would only take, you know, even if you get, I'm sorry, two Republicans to oppose him, uh, Vice President Pence would cast a tie-breaking vote. So it'll take three Republicans opposing him, assuming every Democrat does. There's actually, like I said, a decent chance of this because, you know, even Republicans, you know, a lot of them, you know, uh, senior citizens vote for them. And uh, they don't want to go screwing around with Medicare. So uh, this might piss off a lot of uh, constituents. uh, They might not want this guy, a human services director. I mean, it makes sense, but we shall see. And, of course, my favorite, Dr. Ben Carson, for head of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. He has no formal experience in housing policy. Now, he has, of course, written and spoken extensively about his upbringing, saying that his hard work and passion for reading, along with the firm encouragement of his single mother, helped him to escape the poverty of the inner city. And again, he has no government experience, experience with housing at all, other than he used to live in government housing. So, come on. Really? 
He's awaiting a floor vote. The Atlantic gives his chances as decent. Of course, Republicans are going to support any black man who, you know, they can trot out as a token you-know-what or any position they can get him in. Uh, you know, he was approved unanimously by the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs on January 24th. Still awaiting a floor vote. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's going to be hard for the Democrats to keep anyone out. Now, um, with, with you know, with him being a black man, I don't see I don't see how Republicans keep him out. Just for the simple fact, like I said, as, as disgraceful as it is, they try him out there as a token. Look, yeah, we, we, we have nothing against black people. We got one in the cabinet, you know. For the Department of Energy. Former Texas Governor Rick Perry is Trump's nominee. Liabilities, oops. As the Democrats will undoubtedly remind the public to no end, the Energy Department was a cabinet post that Perry infamously forgot he wanted to eliminate during a Republican primary debate in 2011. And, you know, Come on, how can how how can a guy want to lead a department that he believes shouldn't exist? And still, the Atlantic rates his chances of confirmation as very good. And a big deal if he thinks the department shouldn't exist, you know, by the Senate Energy and National Resources Committee, so they'll probably get him in as well. Yeah. Yeah, are you seeing a pattern here? Again, a bunch of unqualified idiots and morons that are probably going to make up Trump's cabinet. The Department of Labor nominee, Andrew Puster. Puster, Puster. You can tell I haven't uh, watched much news lately because I don't care to know about any of these people. They're all morons. But let's go with Puster because it sounds like putts. Okay. Um chief executive of the parent company of Hardee's and Carl's Jr., which ought to tell you something right there. I mean, Hardee's and their food sucks. I mean, maybe if you go spend $7 for uh, one of their specialty burgers, yeah, but and the biscuits and gravy are good. I'll give them that. They do make good biscuits, but Hardee's is terrible. Man, I never eat at Hardee's, except for the occasional biscuits and gravy. Uh, of course, he's a frequent commentator and a critic of the minimum wage laws and Obama's Overtime rule. Well, of course, because uh, if you've ever worked in fast food, I've worked in fast food management for many years, and if you're salaried management, basically it means you you know make a salary of five six hundred dollars a week, thousand a week, two hundred a week, whatever. You got no overtime. You know, the store needed you there. You know, they would have a quote unquote you know schedule where you know let's say you were supposed to work fifty hours a week for your salary. You know, if a store needed you there 60 or 70, you know, if you needed to be there to make your numbers and keep your job, you had to be there. Now, I once worked, I won't name the company, uh, it was a pizza chain, fairly large one, not, not, not up in the Pizza Hut Domino's range, but a fairly large pizza chain across the country. A month straight, I worked open to close every day, okay? We opened at 11 a.m., closed at 11 p.m., okay? 
a month straight because we didn't have an assistant manager because it's a long story that I don't care to get into. I, I didn't get an extra penny in my pay, okay? Now, of course, President Obama, the Obama administration, one of the good things they did do was pass a law that you couldn't do that anymore. But, of course, uh, President Trump nominates a head of the Department of Labor who's against that rule. Of course, why not, you know, now. He still has a decent chance of Senate confirmation, according to the Atlantic. You expect Democrats to put up a big fight against him or his position on minimum wage and overtime pay, as well as his lack of government experience. Again, I don't have a problem with lack of government experience. No. It's a federal level, okay? Because, again, the founding fathers, you know, wrote the Constitution that we all live by. They didn't really have any government experience, did they? No, they just did the right thing. I mean, I don't have a problem with Trump actually following through on his promise to drain the swamp. You know, of course, he's bringing in a bunch of morons, but that's you know a different story. At least they're not a bunch of Washington insiders, for the most part. Some of them are. I don't have a problem with lack of experience. That shouldn't keep you out of government. shouldn't keep you from serving your country, your state, or your city. But we'll see, you know. Apparently, um, you know, there are some Republicans, theory, might not want to approve this guy because, you know, they, you know, if you start approving guys who are against overtime rules and against minimum wage – sending out a pretty crappy message to the working-class voters, okay? When a whole lot of working-class voters voted for Trump, you know? Democrats, Democrats have managed to make themselves seem as if they're the party of the elite through 100% false of their own. So this guy, you know, in theory, Republicans might not be 100% behind him. Still, though, the Atlantic rates his chances of being confirmed as decent. I've only got about 60 seconds left. Um, I want to touch on Nancy DeVos. Um, no government experience, but she's also a public school experience. How the hell is she supposed to head the Department of Education? Now, that tells you she's done a lot of work with public schools. In uh, charter schools, which technically are public schools, but still, this woman is just an idiot. Have you ever listened to her talk? Just not. I don't know. But, again, she'll probably get nominated. I mean, I'm sorry, she'll probably get approved. I got to go. Don Ellis here, Green Party Radio Show on the Green Party Radio Network. We'll be back Wednesday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't forget tomorrow. On Monday, 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern, Real Talk with Chad Cushman. 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, just staying with Mandy Kenny. Go, Patriots!